0: So we're going to finish up our sermon series on discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. I'm going to start with the scripture of Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to all of them, if any any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Daily. Daily. That means you die to Christ daily. Daily. Now, I was in Kansas City a little over a week ago. I think a lot of you know I was invited to be part of a a deal called UMC Next, which is how the church is going to handle since the traditional plan passed in February at Special Conference and the one church plan didn't, uh, the traditional plan is very hard on the racism, sexism, LGBTQ community, all of it. So they put together this group of pastors from all 50 states, and we met in Kansas at Church of the Resurrection for three days. And I'm so glad I went, but to be honest with you, it was extremely disheartening. We sat at a table. Uh, Each table had eight different pastors from eight different states, and so you would sit And you would listen, and you would talk about these very divisive topics, and what we're going to do as a church, and what does that mean? And I came to a couple realities, and I spent about an hour and a half on the phone yesterday with our bishop talking about these things, because I was asked to lead this UMC Next movement for South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota. And I said, I can't, I have to focus on Sunnycrests and the congregation at Sunnycrest. I cannot take that time away. So I said, no. And then he said, well, what, what were your revelations? Here's my revelations from Kansas. One, we have lost the ability to disciple people. And I mean lost it. If you have a room of 400 pastors, and you heard the things that were said, it was disgusting a lot of times. It was disheartening. It was heart-wrenching. You listen to the stories that were told by the people who have been persecuted by their church. It was disheartening. It was gut-wrenching. And I realized we as a church, and I mean whole, not just Son of Christ as a whole, we've lost the ability to preach about discipleship. We're not talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ because if we were, none of this stuff would be an issue. Zero of it would be an issue because we would see people and we wouldn't see labels We've found the ability that all we see is this label on people and we don't see a face behind it that there's actually somebody behind it And it's so frustrating and the other thing I noticed is we have completely lost pervenient grace we have lost our Wesleyan way the church is founded, Methodist church is founded on John Wesley and Charlie Wesley, on their teachings and what it means to be a Christian. And somewhere along the way we have lost sanctification, we've lost salvation, we've lost prevenient grace. So guess what our next sermon series is? The Wesleyan Way. because So we can go back and revisit that. Of those 400 people, they were asked how many churches have multiple services for multiple backgrounds. Do you know how many out of 400 had other services? 18. 18. And we have a librarian and two Hispanics services along with these three services. 18. That's broken. That's wrong. <laughs> Just So we're going to talk about living the gospel and what that means because this resolves so much of the issues that we're dealing with. This challenge of living the gospel and what it means. And nothing reiterated or strengthened what we've been preaching than being at this meeting. It totally... It... That's how I felt when I walked out of there. So this sermon series, when we did the radical Jesus for Christmas, for Advent, we talked about Jesus and how things were so different when Jesus came along. And then we're talking about discipleship, and these questions keep coming up. So we're going to focus on a couple questions. How to live like Jesus. Is it even possible to live like Jesus? But we're going to start with a question that has come up multiple times, which means I have done a very bad job preaching it, is what it means, is that when we have the new covenant, do we have to follow the old laws in the Old Testament? We take communion today, you're going to hear the verbiage, this represents the new covenant. What is the new covenant? What does it mean? And at times we forget, we just think people should know things. It should be a given. Well, it's not a given. And what does it mean? That Jesus shed his blood and there's a new covenant. This new covenant is where we're supposed to live. It means we're supposed to live in the teachings of the New Testament. The teachings of Jesus Christ. We have to live like Jesus. That's what we're called to to do. It's why he was sent. And we've lost that ability. Somewhere along the line, we've gotten off track. And you've heard me say this. If you want to know God, read the Old Testament. The Old Testament is extremely important. If you want to know Jesus, read the four Gospels. If you want to know what it means to live with the Holy Spirit, read the rest of the New Testament. And it'll tell you what it means to live with the Holy Spirit. But none of it means the Old Testament is not important. It isn't. Now here's the part that will offend people about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a legalistic Christianity views. That's all it is. It's the rules. It's the regulations. It's the laws. And back in the Old Testament, I sure as heck don't want to live there in the Old Testament. I don't. Because if you look at the Old Testament, It's wars. It's persecution. There's so many things that happen that involves death. It's not even funny. And we're not supposed to live that way. Here's the thing. If you've read Kings or you've read Judges, what happens is they wanted a king. So God gave them a king. And the rain would be, go great for a while, and then whoop, they'd fall apart. And judges, they'd bring a new judge, and then everybody would say, oh, I'm going to follow you. We're going to do everything just like God. And then shortly later, thereafter, people wouldn't do it anymore. And they'd send a new judge. Oh, we're going to do it right this time. And no, we're going to do it right this time. And it just happens over and over. And it got really evident that what was they were trying to do wasn't working. And God saw the big picture. These laws, these rules, no matter how hard we try, people can't live a life worthy of God. So we have to do something different. So comes the sacrificial lamb in Jesus Christ. And his radical teachings, yeah. His teachings were exceptionally radical. Because with Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. Jesus was the sacrifice, so we no longer had to be persecuted. We don't have to be crucified anymore. Jesus did that for us. We don't need to live it anymore. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to sacrifice a cow because we think we sin. We get down on our knees and we pray and we ask for forgiveness and we repent. And none of that was possible before Jesus showed up in that format. So it means to live in the gospel means we absolutely respect the laws and what it means. But Jesus brought a new way. It was no longer judgment. It was now we're going to handle all of these sins, all of these things that come forward with grace, love, compassion, and forgiveness. And that's where we have lost it. Because if you sat in that room with the pastors in Kansas... It doesn't exist. It was extremely, extremely frustrating to watch how little compassion, how little love, how little forgiveness, and how little grace people have. And these are leaders. We're supposed to love everybody. Love God, love neighbor. You see it all over our church. It's our mission statement. You you understand that if we love God and we love neighbor, all of those problems dissipate. Because now you see people. You you love people. We love our enemy. We pray for our enemy. It's hard, but we do. That's called living the gospel. Living the New Testament. We help those in need. Jesus actually upped the ante on most of the laws. But he came at it completely different with compassion. He didn't pound you into the ground because you were sinners. He loved you. He accepted you. He gave you compassion. He gave you grace. He gives us grace. He gives us love. He actually took the cost of sin for himself and died. The cost of sin is the life of Jesus. We don't have to pay it anymore. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So how do you live the gospel? How do you live those teachings? We had you make a list of things that you needed to work on in life maturity things, as my mother would put it grow up but maturity things and what we talked about is how you dive into that list with prayer how you use scripture to help you with that prayer how those relationships in being involved with a group of supporters helps you with that list now you want to solve that list live the gospel you want to get rid of your list live like jesus And that list will dissipate. It was never more adamant to me or more noticeable. I wanted to stand up and yell at 399 pastors, you all need to make a maturity list. Because you're struggling with it right now. And I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong. I have my faults too on those things. But here's the thing. Discipleship means you go from talking about the church's mission to being a person who lives that mission. That's discipleship. You no longer talk about what your church is doing, you do it. You live it. You act like it. You help those in need. Our job is to be the conduit that makes a relationship with Jesus Christ possible. And we do that through service. We do that through mission. We reach out to people and we build relationships and we show them grace and we show them compassion and we show them forgiveness and we absolutely surround them with love. And if you have to, talk about the Gospels. But you shouldn't have to. They should know by the way you treat them. And how do you get involved? How do you do this stuff? How do you do that? Yeah, financial support is important, don't get me wrong. But the time and talent is just as, if not more important. How do you feed? We're supposed to feed. How do you feed? You get involved with Hayward. You get involved with Nightwatch Canteen. You get involved with our community gardens. You get involved. You don't talk about it. You do it. How do we clothe? You get involved with the Tree of Life Mission Project. Samaritan's Feet, Brownback Citrus. You get involved. You do it. How do we care for those who are sick? You get involved with the pastoral care team. Our biggest ministry we have right now is pastoral care. They make an unbelievable amount of visits a month, and everybody's still connected to the church. And the best part is, as a pastor, I can pray every single day for those people they're visiting, and I know exactly what's going on. And there's no way I can meet them, I can go to all. So we have this incredible team. You want to help those who are sick? Do that how do we reach others with the Word of Jesus lead a small group get involved with VBS get involved with Sunday school lead youth group Play in the praise band start a choir I mean there's so many options get involved with timeout moments there's so many things to do to get involved how do we build the kingdom of God we do that by living the gospel our job isn't to point out our opinion of how we feel or to change anyone's opinion about it, our job is to plant the seed so the Holy Spirit can dig in and transform somebody's life. My job is not to make you feel like I feel. My job is not to tell you my political stance on anything. My job is to help you figure out how to be the planters of those seeds to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's our job. And it's hard. It's challenging. It's, it's really hard to start listening to people. And I mean truly listening to people. If you look at so many of the stories of the Gospels and you watch Jesus, what's he do first to almost everyone? He completely listens. He doesn't stop them. Sinner. He doesn't stop them. Judgment. No, he listens, and then he meets their needs, and he helps them out. We are here to love people, and we struggle with it so bad because our arrogance gets in the way, and we can't put other people first, and it drives me nuts, but we're good at it. But we're supposed to love all people. Here's a really hard reminder. Ultimately, each church will only be evaluated by one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples are, period. It does not matter how good your praise team is, your preaching, your programs, or your property. It doesn't matter how good that is if your disciples are passive, they're needy, they're consumerist, they're greedy it doesn't matter if your church isn't moving in the direction of radical obedience radical hospitality and radical mission work your church is just no good that's a hard quote isn't it Neil Cole and I haven't been able to forget about it since the first time I read it now here's the thing about Kansas City I had dinner one evening and I'm not doing this to name drop. Let me expl- hear me out before I, before you judge me on this one. I had dinner with Mike Slaughter, Church of Gingensburg Church. Average attendance, 7,000. I had chur- dinner that same night with Jacob Armstrong, Provincial Church. Average attendance, 5,000. And I had church with Adam Hamilton. Average attendance, 22,500. These are Methodist churches. Now... I didn't have dinner with them because they think I'm equal. I had dinner with them because Mike Slaughter is my coach and said, please come listen. Just sit with us at the table, hear what's going on. And you know what they all have in common? These three huge churches for the Methodist Church who are not struggling with anything of this traditional plan because it's not going to change them. You know what the thing they have in common is they focus on discipleship only. They preach the gospel, and they focus on transforming people's lives to make them servers of Jesus' community. Dayton, Ohio, had a tornado a week ago. Within six hours, Kingsborough Church had 600 volunteers from their church handing out water and cleaning up, and they didn't bat an eye because it's what they're supposed to do. That's church. Kansas City had tornadoes, too. Guess what? Adam Hamilton's church, 1,400 people in 12 hours were working with the victims of the tornadoes. 1,400. You want to change a life? You want to show people what Jesus Christ looks like? You drop everything and help those in need. All of these churches focus on one thing, making disciples. And they make sure that their programs fit it. They make sure the mission work is possible that helps change lives. You want to change your life, go to Mission South Dakota because if you think you have it tough and you think your life sucks, welcome to the real world. It's heart-wrenching. The first time I went there, I walked into a house, a three-room house, and there were 14 people living there from age 2 to about 80. No running water, no electricity. They had nothing. Yeah. When I think my life is tough, it's not. We don't want our church to fall into that definition that your church is not good. It's why you've seen such a push from leadership on discipleship and mission, and it's why we're radically thinking differently on how we need to do things. Because we're supposed to be disciples. We're supposed to change the world. That's what we're supposed to do. We are not meant to be the judge and the jury. We are meant to help others, show others grace, show others compassion, show others faith. Surround them with love. It doesn't matter if they're different. Our job isn't to judge, are you worthy of my love? No, that's not our job. They are worthy all the time. Jesus died so we could be worthy. So it's time to start this process. It's time to stop talking about it. Start doing it. You're never too old. You're never too young. We all have talents. We all have gifts to help change lives. We have so many incredible things coming in this next year as a church and programs that we're working on and things we're trying to accomplish to help focus this church extremely on love God, love neighbor. We're going to go deeper into all of this. We're going to push people to get outside of their comfort zone. We're going to realize that the opportunities are incredible. The only thing that's going to limit us is us. That's it. But the challenge in front of you right now is live the gospel. Get actively involved. Stop talking. Do. See what you are called to do. Find the absolute joy that comes from serving others. Find out what it means to be a disciple. If you have questions about it, talk to me, call me, email me. I'll help you but it's time to start living like Jesus Christ. Amen?